pose like this but instead I was just leaning my hand doing stuff oh aren't they great anyway that's awesome for podcast listeners I was <laughs> I'll just describe what happened I was I was like you know what this is I'll leave the uh, screen blank black just for like 10 seconds and then I'll come on and I'll say something important but I was leaning on my face just like <sighs> that's what it looked like when I went live when I was just I forgot to lean up oh that's brilliant that is yeah I forgot to lean up, meaning I started the show looking like I was bored out of my face. And I just saw myself pop up. I know, it made me laugh. Uh, but today I'm here to talk about In Your House for the NXT takeover show that airs this Sunday. In Your House, NXT, this is a preview for it. I found out it looks the uh, actual kind of, I guess, logo for NXT takeover this Sunday. It looks really nice if you get rid of the takeover bit and it's just like yellow in the background and... Yeah, none of you really care that much, <laughs> but there you go anyway. Uh, so today we're going to be going over the six matches with a quick preview, and because this is a takeover show and not a like main roster or AEW, this isn't going to be as long a preview. Could be a nice like wham bam out you go type of thing. Uh, I'm working on getting a guest to talk over the show with me next week in terms of the review of the show, and uh, I've gone back and forth on whether to do an aftershock, but I'm still recovering. <laughs> I uh. Not long ago it was a double or nothing. Then this Monday it was, uh, I guessed it on the Keeping It Strong Style show over on the Super Social Suplex Network, if you want to go listen to that. We did a almost like three hour show. <laughs> it was over two and a half hours going over the career of uh, former New Japan wrestler Katsuyori Shibata. And we went over, we picked three matches and we went over his career. I talked in particular about three matches. I've had amazing fun just watching New Japan Wrestling again because they are my number one promotion, which helps me cover this American stuff without getting too invested. But yeah, so if you want to go listen to that show, I highly recommend it. Massive shout out to Keeping It Strong Style over on the Social Suplex Network. And I have had a shower way too close to this show. My house... I've, <laughs> I've made sure when I'm on show day to nice and early so it's got time to kind of go down and it kind of like stays up by itself. Not today. You've got fluffy hair in today. <laughs> so we're going over the card. There are only six matches. A bit of a shorter thing. Uh, the point I was making was uh, there's not going to be an aftershock for... This Sunday, because Imp needs his recovery week. So I'll be, uh, I'm taking this Sunday off. Uh, when I saw it after, I was like, oh wait, I'm meant to be. Uh, anyway. But afterwards, it's the, plus I'll recuperate. And I have my energy. And I'll be ready for the greatest match in wrestling history the weekend after. So yeah. Just dawned on me I not had a, a week where I was going into like Tuesday with the energy I'd like. And obviously, like, I, I have things outside of this which I need to keep on top of. So... That's why I'm taking this Sunday off. Uh, but I will be getting a guest in. I'll, I'll be paying it back with a guest. <laughs> doing uh, So this time, when you see me next week, I'll be joined by somebody, whoever I get, whoever I manage to get in, uh, to talk about the show itself. And it might not be live, it might be recorded. Uh, we'll just see how it goes. So anyway, NXT TakeOver In Your House airs this Sunday, live on the WWE Network with six matches taking place. And it's 90s nostalgia. <laughs> so, I just realised I've not done the uh, proper intros and things. Uh, we are currently live on the Lords of Pain YouTube channel. And then this audio would then be uh, taken and uploaded onto the Red Circle page for the Laws of Pain radio podcast streams and feeds. So it all goes out in audio form after that. Whilst for now, so I do it with my weird arm like that. Oh, I don't like that either. Oh, I'm trying to click. I've got, my ma- I've got a mouse attached to my laptop. And it's set up so I don't look weird if I do it with my left hand. But I'm not ambidextrous at all. <laughs> so when I pick it up, it's like, oh, it's weird. I don't like it. So back that goes. Uh, I need to remember to check the chat as well on YouTube. I keep forgetting to do that. So do send me a message if you're watching live on the YouTube stream at any point, And I'll try and remember to get to it. I mean, it's the thing I've not transitioned into doing that well. Uh, anyway, so I'll start at the top of the card as well with NXT. Uh, I guess... Some NXT kind of background where we're at, at the moment. We are still, if again, because this video can be watched in the future. It's on the Laws of Pain playlist on YouTube now and in the archives for the podcast stuff. Podcast world is 
I found it's more most people listen up to date. Like Lords of Bay Radio does have an archive which people dip into. Uh, we know because we see the numbers for it. But most people will listen to the newly released stuff. Well, with YouTube, we're kind of trickling. Like the more videos we make within the year, like the more kind of the numbers are going up. So that's kind of cool. But for a little background of where NXT is at the moment, we're still in the kind of lockdown kind of era of NXT where there's no crowds, there's no... Uh, the countries are kind of opening up rather than being fully open. So in this kind of early stage... Uh, NXT, the, the kind of WWE world itself, has transitioned from no crowd to uh, NXT trainees being put ringside. Uh, after after really, um, like NXT and AW, they've not NXT, WWE and AW have both taken notes from each other on how to produce the shows and what works and what doesn't. And don't know why I did that for produce <laughs> like a, like a really camp monster <laughs> like ah. <laughs> <laughs> the dandelion strikes again, but the yeah, the final, I need to get back from the oh, oh I'm a dandelion. <laughs> Just yeah, uh, I've never explained that joke context, but I'm not going to. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, anyway, so with um, yeah, with WWE and AEW, they have both taken notes from each other in, in the production department. And the latest one, or the latest most visible one, would be the crowd that AEW have had at ringside, where they've got. Uh, they've got their own wrestlers surrounding the ring, so it feels there is a crowd atmosphere, even though there isn't really a crowd. Uh, WWE maybe had to wait a bit for states to open up a tad, purely because they are indoors. AW is an outside venue, and in terms of quarantining rules and lockdown things, in terms of like the science of it, they had a major advantage because they were outside compared to NXT, which was recorded instance inside. So if you jump from that to that, then cool. But with NXT at the moment, uh, it's it's weird because WWE have brought in the NXT trainees to be there and the massive difference in terms of atmosphere. And you'll notice this watching in your house if you're not watching NXT and you do tune in for the TakeOver event. Uh, the diff- massive difference between NXT and AW is the NXT crowd are purely there to generate noise. There will even be people that you see in the show in the crowd, like the NXT... Like on Sunday, it won't be the wrestlers wrestling, but it'll be people you recognise from NXT will be in that crowd. Especially for Raw, you see Jasmine Duke and Shotzi Blackheart like all the time <laughs> on the Monday Night Raw. But the thing is, they cheer for everybody, they react to everything, and it does not surprise me that reports then came out that there was like a Tanoi announcement for them to like be more energetic, make more noise, give more to it uh, during the Monday Night Raw airing or recording. And surprisingly enough, when uh, they were also forced to be there for a really long time, reports were 12 hours or so, and that fatigues you, where you've got to be the most energetic person in the world about absolutely everything. But then, of course, as well, that means, as you're watching as a viewer, it was like, well, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, because everybody gets a pop and a cheer, then you go into a weird reaction thing. Uh, And the people in the crowd are wrestlers you recognise if you watch NXT, and it's weird seeing them cheer for the faces or whatever. Like Jasmine Duke as well, who's an out-and-out heel whenever she's wrestled on NXT. But Monday Night Raw, suddenly she's cheering along with everybody else. It's weird. Compared to AEW, I personally really like the way that AEW have done it. Where on... If, you, if I'm... Uh, I'm talking camera kind of view. So on the left is the heels. You'll get your MJFs, your Sean Spears, your uh, Jake Roberts. They'll all be on the left-hand side. And the right side of camera will be their faces, your cult cabanas, your big swole, your private party if they're not wrestling. Like, uh, and I really like the dynamic. Also not forgetting, they're not just noise. They are their characters, and they all, they all interact with the match. Like, the heels on the left-hand side were betting on matches. <laughs> Sean Spears and MJF were having a drink and pissing about. Uh, this week on the show, um, Jungle Boy was in the main event against Cody in the first-ever TNT Championship defence and uh, Jungle Boy went into the barricade and he and MGF had a tiff. <laughs> they had an argument <laughs> and it kind of led to a bit of a scuffle. Uh, they used that so Cody could blade in the background. But the whole point is then that the people in the crowd are their characters. They're not just there to generate noise. So it makes the world feel more alive because they're doing character work whilst they're there. It's kind of like you react as your character rather than we need you as a sound generator. Like I heard... I want to say it was Ollie Davies from Wrestle Talk. I'm not entirely sure if it was though. Uh, one of the Wrestle Talk lads, because I was listening whilst not being paying attention earlier today, and 
one of them brought up the point of there might as well be something. They might the crowd for NXT might as well be a laugh track, like that kind of thing. Press a button, noise is made. It's that kind of thing, and uh, it's a I will say makes the product infinitely more watchable than no crowd. So that that's the thing I've taken is zero percent crowd to one percent crowd. The difference is massive, and I would totally prefer the current product to how it was before with no crowd. AEW have proven that. AEW have also proven that if they kind of have allegiances to certain wrestlers and the people in the crowd themselves kind of lend something to the product other than just noise, then that, that means a lot. That that really is... Like, and it, it lends itself to the product really, really well. And it's kind of disappointing for me to see NXT and WWE as a whole, sorry, kind of just take it in a... like, such a produced manner. And it kind of... Like, AEW's shown you how to do it. And it's just kind of like, just do that. <laughs> you've taken one of the parts from it, and you're both uh, both companies are taking notes from each other. Why not just do it that way? Uh, I don't know. Let me know. Is it just me where I find it really weird where the, the WWE trainees are there just to make noise with no real care or allegiance to anything else happening compared to AW where they are the characters that you see them as, meaning when you see them on television in the crowd... They're the same person <laughs> making noise. Uh, it's a, it's an odd one. Also, they seem happy to be there, which is another thing. Uh, Vicky Guerrero was tweeting about being at Double or Nothing in the crowd, and uh, how enjoy- enjoyable it. I uh, can't speak. How enjoyable an experience it was compared to the NXT trainees, who were like apparently like voicing their kind of concerns about <laughs> really not enjoying it. So, yeah, it sucks. But especially with NXT, the thing that really dawned on me, so a bit of context for me in terms of my viewing, until today, I had not watched a single minute of NXT since WrestleMania. And I'm doing an NXT preview show. <laughs> well done me. But I watched last week's episode and I've watched this week's episode as well just to catch up so I know what is, I at least know what's going on coming into these uh, pay, into this pay-per-view. But uh, the thing that hit me was the crowd sounded absolutely knackered. Like they would still go doing their woo, yeah, hey, and oh, 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 for and like every single move and every single person coming out. And, but they sounded fatigued, they sounded tired. And you could hear that enthusiasm was drained, it was waning, it wasn't quite there for a lot of the show. And, uh, yeah, I found that weird watching it. That won't be the case in your house, obviously. As far as I know, the only match that was taped was Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream, and that's where reports of dissatisfaction from the NXT trainees in the crowd was coming from. Was they were apparently like really not happy about having to stay there for another match when they've been there for so long already, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound nice to have to like kind of mindlessly cheer absolutely everything for such a long period of time, and you're not allowed to sit down either. Like they stood up, they'll be. And they'll be knackered because they're not allowed to sit down. Not even in ad breaks, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, if you need them to stand up for such a long period of time, let them recuperate. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to get fatigued and it's going to reflect on the product. And I felt like watching NXT, you could sense the crowd was fatigued. Like, them being up for 12 hours, mindlessly cheering and making noise, had an effect. Scarily enough, <laughs> they were tired. You can hear it in the crowd. And it's it's just a little kind of if I'm comparing the two products that say it's really good that WWE have taken the crowd kind of thing and it's giving the noise to it. However, I personally still way prefer what AEW are doing purely because they are not just it's not just minus noise where they're essentially pressing a cheer button or like TV shows back in the day, especially music ones where they have lift up signs and say dance and then they would dance or cheer this. And don't hear that, <laughs> or make noise and stuff. So then it feels like that. Like also, huge generated noise compared to actual people being there inside or characters or whatever. Yeah, personal preference. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, let's get into the card. There's quite a few uh, to go through. I'll start at the top and make my way through to the bottom because again, I've slowly learned over time that with podcasts, people uh, are less people than you think listen to all of things. But apparently, it's the same with television as well. Like, a lot of people will tune out and flick over to something else. I'm just like, who are these people who watch a third of a show <laughs> every week? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, 
to be fair, I do that with books, but with like, well, I'll start a book and then I move on to something else. So I've got like a pile of books next to my bed, all of which I'm like halfway through. But with television and YouTube videos and podcasts, <laughs> like, who are you people? <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to start at the top of the card from the main event and work my way down to the bottom. So, first of all, let's go with, as I do it again, I can do this, I'm ambidextrous. I can do it with my left hand. Adam Cole in a backlot brawl against Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship. And I'm back. So, the uh, build for this has, it's one of those, um, it's, it's Adam Cole. There was a video this week on NXT. That's what I was trying to find my way to, and I started completely incorrect with my sentence. <laughs> but got there, I just like, scrap it, let's go again. But with uh, Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole, You've seen Adam Cole celebrating his triumphant reign, and quite often in wrestling, whenever that happens, you just get that, hmm, <laughs> kind of believe like, he's so happy in his celebration, something can't be right after TakeOver. It's too big of a high, especially like uh, in most storytelling, this is where you'll see, whenever they're getting that much praise, kind of like watching The Walking Dead thinking, why is T-Dog getting so much time? <laughs> why is he... <laughs> Why is, why is he suddenly such a cool dude? Oh, oh okay, it's because he's getting killed off. <laughs> like, is Adam Cole getting killed off? <laughs> In my immediate thought, they are super celebrating uh, his massive achievements because he's reached one year as champion. And by the laws of wrestling, whenever you publicly start celebrating your length of a reign for a certain amount of time, then suddenly your days are numbered. You're making the audience aware that you've been champion for this amount of time. And more often than not, that's when he starts to get into trouble. It happens with every champion. <laughs> Nikki Bella, AJ Lee. Like whenever it gets brought up in storyline, in promos, your days as champion are numbered. And in NXT, there's normally like a revolving door of talent anyway. Uh, this new era is, what's, is a massively different one. You've got Charlotte Flair coming back. You've got Finn Balor coming back. There's Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, who are never leaving, despite fully progressing as characters to a point where there's they've had to completely switch which side of the aisle in terms of face or heel their character was to at least still feel relevant, because there was no point in them being there. They were done. Uh, but it's also currently a string of call-ups. So this is the first time since NXT has been on USA where the talent will somewhat be raided. Like we've seen uh, Bianca Belair go up after WrestleMania and not be used at all. But she counts as one of the recent call-ups, I'll say. Uh, then, then this next crop, like a month later or, or over a month later, we're getting uh, Matt Riddle going to SmackDown. We're getting... Per uh, what's his face? What's his name in NXT? In, uh, NXT? Uh, Dijak... Is it just Dominic Dijak? Dijakovic? Oh, yeah, Di Dijakovic, because I remember getting annoyed at it. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's an American thing where... For some reason, uh, the Subokarats who moved to America uh, hard pronounce all the syllables, whilst here in Europe, they, it's, it's a lot softer. So, uh, Dijakovic, it is in America, whilst over in Europe, it's Dijakovic. And it does me in. <laughs> My brain is having to transition. Uh, it's something, something I didn't realise until I just actually paid attention to how the names are, are pronounced in America. It's like, oh, that must have been a thing for a really long time that I've just not paid attention to, just the difference. Anyway, so yeah, Dijakovic, none of you cared about that, man. <laughs> so Dijakovic is um, potentially moving over to Monday Night Raw, and there was also uh, one of the NXT women as well. Can't remember who it was. That's irritating. One of the women for NXT as well was apparently rumoured to get called up to the main... Oh, Chelsea Green, that was it. So she's... Uh, the entire time in my head, I'm just picturing Robbie E from TNA. Who did he manage? Who did Robbie E manage? <laughs> just finally got it. Uh, but yeah, so... There are three talents as well, and there are rumours behind the scenes of Io Shirai, potentially Io Shirai, and potentially Velveteen Dream. I think I got that from Wrestling News Co. Uh, I think that's where I got that one. But anyway, so, just a, as a point of reference, <laughs> just in case it doesn't happen, blaming them. <laughs> just, I just happened to see it before I came on. Uh, so there's likelihood of talent getting called up and NXT getting raided, and this is the first time during this era that it will happen. And sometimes with NXT, you get a talent raid and the pool does feel a bit emptier for a short amount of time. It's the uh, like New Japan talent getting called over to America kind of thing. And you hear, oh, this is the death of New Japan. <laughs> they've take, oh, they've all gone. All the elite have gone. Uh, New Japan is dead. They're not going to have any stars in Wrestle Kingdom next year. 
fast forward to Wrestle Kingdom next year and their stars feel bigger than ever. <laughs> it's just, surprisingly enough, if you put in the work, you will create more stars. Like, the NXT Women's Division is a fantastic example of that, where after the last raid, it just, that you saw that kind of, well, Ember Moon was gone, Asuka was gone, Kyrie Sane, and it was just, you got that, you saw those messages on the internet of old NXT's women's division, it's so bare, there's hardly any talent there, because at the time there was hardly any kind of established main event folk, and I think Bianca Belair was kind of put there as a transition challenger in that period, if I'm right. Uh, Nikki Cross was another name that had gone as well, Lacey Evans went pretty quick as well. But, suddenly, you put in the effort, you slowly grow the division, and now it's arguably, the, the NXT women's, women's division, arguably the strongest it's ever been. So, yeah. So there are call-ups expected, but I am interested to see how, especially if a division gets completely raided in uh, NXT, it's been on the network before, so it's not really mattered, and I'm somebody where if NXT goes into a rebuilding phase, and sometimes the quality dips with it, sometimes it's perfectly steady, but if the quality does dip, I'm just kind of like, it's NXT, the entire point of it is developing characters. If somebody, I, I used to think like you'd hear a chance at NXT of, I think someone chanted you can't wrestle, and I'm like, but it's developmental. Like <laughs> that's the point of a developmental, <laughs> just think. Uh, and of course, over time, NXT has started featuring less and less talent that are really in a kind of more of a developmental point of their career where they haven't figured anything out. You, yeah, I feel like you have to be a lot more established in who you are. To get on NXT on the USA Network, then you had you then you used to to get on just purely the network rather than getting on USA as well. So, how will the USA Network audience respond to these talents getting called up and suddenly the pool feeding a bit more shallow? Going by the numbers, and it, um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been Brian Alvarez. I don't know if that's true or not. It was probably someone else. But uh, somebody point. Oh, Voices of Wrestling. That was it. Uh, vo- uh, Voice of Wrestling pointed out, which something I thought was quite uh, quite telling, the NXT audience in recent weeks hasn't really shifted that much. It's kind of stayed in an area, and it's not really shifted from that. Especially when you look at demographics, they've not really shifted that much. But AEW has taken a hit with the recent news that's been happening, and for the past couple of weeks, their numbers have directly been affected by people tuning out of the wrestling and obviously tuning into something much more important. But NXT's numbers stayed pretty much the same. So, either they've got a hardcore audience... Either the audience that watches NXT is not the person who finds what's happening important. Which I'm, But that takes like massive assumptions being put on. And that, really that's not how you should look at numbers where you've got no data to prove that. Or, they've got a hardcore audience that will tune in no matter what. And that's been the thought for a while with NXT. And... It's, yeah, I was, yeah, I directly want to retract. <laughs> I was just saying, in terms of, oh, are they right-wingers? No, because there's no way to prove that. I didn't even, shouldn't even said it. But with NXT, the likelihood is has got a hardcore audience who is going to continue watching no matter what. So my assumption is, if the world goes to crap, which it has done, AEW is in more trouble than NXT because the NXT folk will tune in regardless. That seems to be what is things are looking for as well. Really, like the overall number as well was uh, down the past couple of weeks in terms, like from week to week. Like the overall numbers for NXT and AW put together, because as a wrestling fan, that for me that's the more important number. Like if you, because I saw somebody comparing SmackDown to AW, I was just like, surely the overall wrestling audience of USA and TNT put together is more reflective of that, especially if it is. A hardcore audience, but yeah. So like, I think it's like one point four, one point five. It's one point four something. <laughs> it's the normal numbers for NXT AW put together, and that's the wrestling audience. And for me, that's more reflective compared to Raw or SmackDown, where there is no competition. To complete, to com- directly comparison, only one of the Wednesday shows to uh, it was a weird one. <laughs> it made me laugh. I saw somebody tweeting it was all like, oh, SmackDown beats AW the numbers again. I was like. What? Why? I don't understand what you're celebrating. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I was going to be talking about Cole versus Dream. I've wa- massively, there we go, again, Cole versus Dream, the fancy graphics. Nostalgia! <laughs> 90s nostalgia. 
Uh, I'll be really disappointed if there isn't the house. Triple H has built up my expectations that there will be a house. Uh, there will be the house there. I contemplated uh, getting a PNG or trying to Photoshop the actual house around me. And then I was like, no, <laughs> it's not worth the effort. I've got stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, so Adam Cole versus Velveteen. I've talked about Adam Cole with celebrating his reign and Velveteen Dream was talking more about his climb and getting to this point. How uh, Dream has only had the one NXT Championship match against Master Champa at a takeover, and here he is against Adam Cole. He's had to climb massively each time to get to that next shot. Whilst Adam Cole, he's been there for a while, and Velveteen Dream is yeah. vowing to take him down. Adam Cole has reached the NXT Champion point of being the cocky champion, and this is where you start looking to the next challenger. And it's something that NXT repeats that I really enjoy seeing time and time again. It's a trope I am really happy is still a thing in NXT. Because it takes such a long time to get to that point anyway, where it's nice when you reach it. Examples for me would be uh, the now pack, but where he was Adrian Neville in NXT, where he started off as the babyface champion, and over time he became more and more clung to the championship, and in the end was a cocky champion who was, who was starting to cheat in his defences to retain the championship. Uh, so when Sami Zayn defeated him for the title, it was like a massive hurrah moment because Neville was the heel, di directly the heel at that point, and Sami Zayn, the beloved Mr. NXT babyface. But with, the other one was Asuka. Again, massive babyface when she won the championship, was for a long time. By the time she was dropping the title, cocky heel. <laughs> and Adam Cole, admittedly a heel, who's then just... To be fair, he started off at cocky heel, and he's just... More even an even bigger cocky heel. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's truly become extremely cocky now that he's reached his one year. Like it, like a monster's been created, and that seems to be a and that's a, it's a trope in NXT where they reach a point where them being champion becomes part of their their identity and they become more and more desperate to cling on to it. Uh, and either that starts with them bringing up how long they've been champion, and then it starts to kind of creep in. The, the desperate nature of retaining rather than fighting with honour because you're a fantastic enough wrestler. With Adam Cole, he's obviously been the heel the entire time, but he's always gone like to the end mile with his opponents. I don't know if we'll see a slight shift with Velveteen Dream where he becomes a bit more cheaty and a bit more desperate to cling on to the championship. And of course it was called, recorded last week, so who knows what happened. Uh, what, who knows what nonsense happens in this parking lot brawl and um, yeah, my only fingers crossed thing is they don't put music over the top of it. That was a, like for me jumping from Money in the Bank to the Canadian, not Canadian Stampede. <laughs> the, the in your house has done me in. <laughs> uh, the stadium stampede, going from one to the other, the m massive uptick for me was not having like dramatic music playing in the background during it all because it is in its nature a bit silly. Having because having no music. If you're filming it really seriously, maybe it could be uh, make it a bit feel a bit too dark. Uh, but again, putting music over the top of it makes it feel overproduced as well. Uh, WWE like to say they're creating movies, whilst I go, well, you don't edit them very well. <laughs> you don't produce them well enough to be movies. Uh, you're not very good at making movies if you when you outwardly try and make a movie. I can enjoy them, but I'm not going to say they're made well. <laughs> it's a it's a massive difference. My nose feels really itchy. But with, yeah, with with uh, NXT, I don't know what this brawl is going to end up being like. I don't know how seriously they'll take it. Personally, I was just saying, I wouldn't. I'd be happy. There is no music at the top of it if you're trying to sell it that way, and just yeah, as a as a crazy match, just yeah, go for it. Yeah, and, and apparently it was raining as well, so wrestlers were angry that they had to postpone it whilst in their cars and then absolutely knackered in the middle of the night after it's just finished raining and they'll be stood on their feet for 12 hours straight so who knows what the atmosphere will be like <laughs> watching the match it'll be unique I'll give them that so yeah so in terms of predictions after the preview it becomes a little bit more difficult because they are start they've started recognizing pretty heavily how long Adam Cole's been champion so again you're cocking Chekhov's gun I don't have to mime it. <laughs> Checking Chekhov's, Chekhov's gun. I can't speak. You're cocking Chekhov's gun. Bloody <laughs> You're cocking Chekhov's gun. And that, that and you've shown the number of days. So it's in people's minds that he's been champion for a really long time. So they're thinking of, well, who's going to be the next champion? 
and Velveteen Dream either could be that person, or they're getting you set up to start thinking about it and get used to the fact of he's not going to be champion forever, who will be the next guy. So Velveteen Dream is either the first person in Cole's last string of defences, or he's going to beat him. I feel like it'll be he's the first in the last string, and maybe we'll get uh, do Adam Cole on the video after SummerSlam. The other thing with Adam Cole is apparently his contract runs out in August and he has not re-signed. So uh, what's going to happen there? With his with his girlfriend working in AEW, with his a lot of his indie best friends before he moved to NXT, also working in AEW. There's rumours swirling about all over the place. Personally, if you've been in NXT for like two, three years, I'm just going to assume you're going to rather get called up and re-signed that way rather than go to your friends in AEW after spending years in, an, in developmental. I would assume you'd like to see a payoff before giving before jumping ship and uh, before, without even giving the main roster a chance. Uh, as a fan, I'd prefer him to go to AEW, but as uh, as just looking at it, it's like, no, sure, it's just, I can't see him not getting called up. But, like, is it, if I'm not going to believe any of the AEW rumours, because it feels like it's more speculation. And it being called rumour, it's like, well, no, you're putting two and two together, you're speculating, and it's that, that speculation then has been reported as rumour. It's like, well, no, it's speculation. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it didn't help that he attended a party with his girlfriend. Oh, the audacity. <laughs> the absolute audacity on the map. <laughs> so, uh, a prediction Adam Cole's going to retain, and this starts his last string. But I wouldn't at uh, the string of defences before he gets called up to the main roster. Also, wouldn't be the end of the world if Velveteen Dream won any move on to that next era. Personally, for me, as somebody who has tuned out of NXT as of late, I'm ready for Cham the likes of Champo, Gargano, Cole, like that, that, era, uh, that era that's just passed. I am ready for it to be done, and we move on to the next thing. Uh, it was the talk of uh, Champo and Gargano staying in NXT forever, or for a really long period of time to get them established on the USA Network. But it is a developmental, and that when people stay there, stay in there, it's I don't know. NXT's become that place when when you reach your point, then you are you go to the main roster, you move on to that next stage. It feels weird to not do that. Uh, I don't know if it's me. Anyway, next match. Oh, there we go. I'm doing a dance now. It's... Oh, I missed the button. It's Charlotte Flair defending her NXT Championship after she's had number one contendership matches against uh, for the Raw Championship and the SmackDown Championship. She's actually defending the NXT Championship. Amazing. <laughs> that made me laugh when that was brought up. She could have walked out of Backlash with all the championships. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, that made me laugh, just realising that possibility. In kayfabe, of course, she was never going to win either of the SmackDown or Raw contendership matches, but in kayfabe. Anyway, here at In Your House, she'll be defending against Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, continuing her feud with Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania, and Io Shirai continuing her natural climb in NXT. Get rid of it. So, first off, I've not checked the chat or any chat anywhere. <laughs> type of thing. I'm amazing at this. I just realised I've got a window open. Don't need that. This is amazing content for the podcast. There we go. So, Flair, Ripley, Shirai. Personally, the Charlotte Flair experiment in NXT hasn't worked. If it was to drive the, an audience or get a main roster person to NXT to kind of make them feel more established or like, no, watch NXT. Main roster people can go there and actually uh, then they'll be the title to the main roster and make them feel relevant. It doesn't feel like it's worked. The NXT audience has similarly tuned in no matter what's happened. There's not been a spike. There's not been a massive drop. It's kind of gone in, gone up and down within the same uh, number bubble as like every week. So really the Charlotte Flair experiment hasn't worked. And NXT, again, just looking at it and what the product is, it's a developmental. And for me, for every little step they do to try and make it feel like a relevant television show... Which is inter it's entwined with Raw and SmackDown. It kind of falls flat for me a bit because it is still at the end of the day developmental. So whatever they do to try and make it feel like a brand on par with Raw and SmackDown, for me that's I don't know what they can do to make that not fall flat a bit. That message because I will always see it as developmental. The talent will get made and they'll go to Raw or SmackDown. They're not. It's not a brand where people really stay. That's what I'm saying with Champo and Gargano. It feels weird that they're there rather than they are characters for this brand. 
It's like, well, it's developmental. Like, you develop, and when you're ready, you get called up. But there's whole loads of people who have reached a point where they are ready, and they are established characters. They know their shit. <laughs> so, oh, and they're still there. It's weird. But with... Uh, well, yeah, so with uh, Charlotte Flair going down, it's a little bit strange, where I personally kind of feel like they tr- they tried it out, and I was all for them giving it a go. Why not see what happens when somebody is an established main roster star who main evented WrestleMania last year. She is a established name, to put it mildly. What happens if she wins the NXT Championship, if she appears on the developmental show, if she appears on Raw and SmackDown with the title because she's flipping everywhere? <laughs> if she does that, then will that help the NXT brand kind of feel more established? The answer's kind of been no. And it's kind of like, well, NXT, at the end of the day, is developmental. So, uh, move it to one of the developmental women. Personally, you've done Ripley, and in terms of how her story is going, where she talks about how she was on the top of the world, then 2020 happened. They're obviously creating a direct potential for memes <laughs> with her. It's like, oh, screw 2020. But uh, she's been talking about how she was on top of the moon, then WrestleMania happened, then Charlotte Flair happened, and she lost the championship. She lost it all, and it's been downhill ever since. For me, I would have Io Shirai win this match, purely because of that. And it is kind of working into it that Charlotte Flair... For me, if I'm if I'm calling it, it's like, well, Charlotte Flair experiment in NXT hasn't really worked, so why not use the momentum of her to shift it onto an NXT talent, establish them as the top person, and move on from there. Storyline-wise, for me, if I'm prolonging... If I'm trying to turn Ray Ripley's misfortunes into a story, I would have her lose here and have a different NXT star take the championship. Of course, this is where the developmental part comes in. You can't book a story like that if one of the competitors in Io Shirai does get called up. Or at least if there's rumbling she might do, do you give her the championship when there's a strong chance she'll get called up? That's not an easy answer. <laughs> or, that, that, because they, they, they could just be non-rumours anyway, and Io Shirai's not going anywhere, then you can give her the title. So if we're keeping it kayfabe, storyline-wise, makes for me, it makes sense for Io Shirai to win. Then you can have Ray Ripley climb that mountain still, but it's Io she has to come, overcome. And then when she gets to the main roster, that's when Ripley can have her go at Charlotte Flair. And maybe Charlotte Flair can be champion, or Ray Ripley wins the Rumble or something. There's a lot of potential, really. I just wouldn't do it in NXT. I'd have Ray Ripley have to climb the Io Shirai mountain. And Io Shirai... And an NXT female does defeat Charlotte Flair, but it's not Ripley. And Ripley's year doesn't get any better for a little while. Yeah, it gets... It's, it's just... The arc here... Like the mountain doesn't feel unsurmountable right now for Ripley. Like, if she wins here, then great. Oh, yeah. But she has to... Like, as a character, for to get you invested in her, you just have to knock her down just a little bit more before she climbs back up. That's a... If I was writing the story, that's what I would do. So, yeah, there's little things in there to, for me to, to actually work with, which is, again, a nice little thing. But the potential for the quality of this match, because Cold Dream is a pre-recorded brawl, is that's difficult to predict and what on earth will happen. I'm expecting people thrown onto cars and maybe a finish, quite a few finishes, whilst everybody's going, oh, oh, and <laughs> we have to do everything again. But with Philippe Shirai, we could get a really good match. I'm expecting a fast pace, I'm expecting kind of building and building to like one of those matches where everybody's going for big moves but nothing gets hit until the kind of final third of the match in terms of like uh, a constant string I think like um, the, the thing I like is where you start off the match and maybe you hit one move but when you go for that second or you go for that third move you get countered or something because the person's way too fresh and by the end of the match you're finally able to hit a string until some, something happens <laughs> and the opponent is like alright this is the end zone I can't be taken down here so then you hit, have them hitting big moves to try and stop them from coming back but you're still in that same pattern of only hitting one or two moves but the moves are getting bigger and bigger and eventually somebody breaks this could just be really quick and have none of that but person, I, it's very rare you get a chance to do that in a triple threat and this feels like this could be it uh, I'll put my own personal <laughs> kind of preference on there it's like yeah this I wouldn't mind this being relatively longer 
because he got the chance to do it and he can like build it up and build it up and create that chaotic finish at the end. I'm going to say longer. I'm, ta- I'm only talking over 15. <laughs> I'm not going crazy. Uh, like 50, somewhere between 15 and 20 might even be fine for me. Just yeah, we build it, build it up and build it up, and uh, to that point where they are, they eventually have enough taken out of them. Somebody gets the win, uh, and it's Shirai, not Ripley. <laughs> of course, I'm assuming that they are done with the Flair experiment. For all I know, Charlotte Flair, the story could be she's keeping down the division, and you can do it that way. And Ripley and Shirai somewhat team together. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not going to battle on too much because I've already overgone my welcome as I reach again with the incorrect arm <laughs> to my mouse to click on to. Tommaso Ciampa versus Carrion Cross. I'm really happy that I got the graphic with his name on it because I keep calling him a killer. Obviously, he's not Killer Cross. With Scarlet Bordeaux, assumably at ringside for antics and assumably to give Carrion Cross the win. Like In terms of predictions... I'm going quite pessimistic in that they have a decent match, but the victory is Scarlet Bordeaux interfering, and that's what you get. Because it it's Karen Cross's like early tenure in NXT in terms of establishing the act together. Scarlet Bordeaux being the changing, uh, being the factor that causes Karen Cross to come out the winner. Like you, you're building the two as an act, and it feels like this is the I guess right point because it's pretty early on. Even if I'm like oh. I mean, I wouldn't mind them really giving a, a certain amount of time for them to really kill it, to really like to really smash it home with this match, really get cross over. Because uh, I have I've had a few people message me uh, knowing that I'd seen him elsewhere before NXT. Uh, uh, I think I had quite a long chat with a former co-host of this show, Burn, and he was like, "I don't. He, he seems fine, but he doesn't seem to be like exceptional as he's quite a lot of people have been talking about." And really, the Place that sold me on him was Bloodsport. Like, Karrion Cross, or Killer Cross at the time, in Bloodsport at those shows around WrestleMania week, he was amazing. He was fantastic. His match with uh, D.H. Smith, uh, the uh, son of the Bulldog, he, uh, those two had a match last year at Bloodsport, which was just fa- top-notch. Fantastic. <laughs> just highly recommend checking out that match. But uh, in NXT, he's, been, he's at that point where he's kind of been just establishing his moves, establishing the character... And come this takeover, they're still establishing the act of him and Bordeaux together. Like, how do they work when they come up against a foe that isn't a jobber? They're still being established. So his moveset isn't really been elevated, it's more been showcased. And I feel like takeover is the opportunity to show people that what, what everybody else sees in him. What everyone, everyone who watched Impact, what they saw in him, what people who have watched him on the indies elsewhere, like I was saying with Bloodsport... Like, just to see what people are talking about. Like, for me, the reason I was excited to see him in WWE is everything about his act screamed that he would have success in WWE. That, that was, <laughs> that was like, my main reason. Then I saw him in Bloodsport, and suddenly it was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get Cross as a... Like, I believe him as a, like, in-ring, like, killer, <laughs> as he was called at the time. But... Uh, Carrion Cross I'm not getting used to that <laughs> it's just a weird Carrion Cross it's a weird one uh, but anyway so predictions is they use this match to get Cross kind of a bit more over in terms of him as a wrestler as a character because he's not really had the opportunity yet it's establishing but this match is also used to establish the Carrion Cross character and he wins via a Scarlet Bordeaux interference distraction whatever what have you Champa you would assume would be too smart for that but maybe Cross brings one more thing to the table. Uh, and I wouldn't have Cross win in a super heel way. He still has to hit something which makes him feel like a, a deadly threat. Because that, for me, that is what Cross is. He, because in TNA, oh, sorry, in Impact, he kind of felt like a, he could play like the hired assassin kind of character because he is that skilled in the ring at taking somebody down. And of course, in the wrestling context, taking somebody down is just hitting them with a big move and scoring a pinfall. <laughs> so he's not, obviously, when, when I'm, I'm talking within the wrestling context. But for me, he uh, he needs that point in NXT to really get him over, to have him feel like that. He feels like the, a guy who could, like, a top guy for the future of NXT, but also somebody who's not there that long. Like the Kevin Owens deal. Because I really, I rate him so highly as, as a WWE guy. 
that he just screams like he's not going to need NXT for that long unless they really tweak it to the point when he gets called up like his atmosphere the atmosphere and awe around him is just incredible kind of like with Alistair Black when he got called up to the main roster they figured out his entrance they figured out just the whole aura around him, around the character and it just felt so unique when he got called up because they figured out all the little kinks about it then Vince goes and bloody adds a creak <laughs> to the thing I've gotten used to that I don't think I ever got used to the bullet from Ricochet until they used it as a kind of stinger. Like, the bullet is what plays and then his theme goes in. Whenever they added the bullet overwards, it just felt silly and stupid. <laughs> the fact they did it to Alistair Black and him at the same time. Sounded like, ugh. It's like, he's not an actual vampire, Vince. <laughs> yeah, silly. Anyway, yeah. Predictions. Karen Cross wins. This establishes him. Tommaso Ciampa continues in NXT putting folk over because his character's kind of done everything like what is there hmm. as I take a massive sip of water for the amazing audio content it was meant to be a shorter show but I've just rambled all over the place well done me right next up Lee versus Gargano Keith Lee the North American Championship defending the North American Championship against Johnny Gargano who's now a bad guy and it took a while for me to get to used to Johnny Gargano as a heel. And I, I will be honest, I've probably still not totally bought it. But I have at least gotten used to the act. I've gotten used to it rather than I'm buying it. I think it's a good way to put it. Like, the way it feels for me is the character has overstayed its course. And now they're trying to come up with new ideas to keep the, keep the Johnny Gargano character relevant and interesting in NXT. But uh, I'm done with the character. Like, I had my point where the Johnny Gargano character was, like, the best thing, arguably, in wrestling for a short amount of time. And we're not sure about time. Like, in NXT, the DIY act, their split, it was white hot, it was incredible. Johnny Gargano receiving comparisons to Daniel Bryan for a reason. But then the character didn't progress. He didn't move on. And some of it due to injury, some of it due to call-up misfortunes. The two together, obviously, <laughs> with DIY. But it still felt... His character is it's overstayed his welcome in NXT. And this for me, this feels like a way to try and make the character feel more relevant rather than the kind of way NXT works, where it is a developmental and then you move on to the main roster or you don't. And or you move on to something else, be it brand, company, character, what have, what have you. It's a, it's a weird one because I've kind of lost interest in the Johnny Gargano character. I like the Candice LeRae tweak, where she always felt she she's one of those where I never felt like she was going to succeed on the main roster with the kind of gimmick she had. She'd be super over in the NXT world, in the indie world. Like what she was doing in NXT for years would still be super over, booked all over the place on the indies. But in WWE's world, I don't know what like they would have seen on her and her to kind of give her a big enough push. Uh, but this heel character, it's just it's a lot more WWE. And in that way, it's a lot more sports entertainment interesting. And I can get into that. Johnny Gargano, I feel like it's probably going to take time. Like, I'm getting, like Sami Zayn when he first turned, it took a little while for me to get used to it. Uh, the, the difference being that I was a lot more able to buy that because of the emotional investment with his friendship with Kevin Owens and the way they did the turn with that uh, at Hell in a Cell. I thought it was fantastic. And then the unfortunate thing of being injured in storyline, being injured with awful writing, <laughs> probably lastly, and then being injured in real life and eventually comes there. there. Then suddenly I'm more used to it. Time passed. And I feel like that's what I've got to do with Johnny Gargano. Just time passed. Who knows how long it will take? Sami Zayn had like a year off <laughs> because of the, or uh, he had a year off because of the awful writing, just breaking him. That's not what happened. He got injured. <laughs> but Johnny Gargano, I'm just still not buying it. I'm not that invested into his heel character. What does help is I'm super invested in Keith Lee. Like, from the, fir the first time I saw him, he was tagging with Sean Taylor in Ring of Honor. And uh, these two big hawking lads walked out. And I was like, oh, they're going to do, like, the big lad stuff. And then they can do the big... They're going to do the big splashers and the forearms and the kicks and the punches. Like, oh, I'm not super for this. Then I watched them wrestle. I highly... I got that wrong. <laughs> it's just like, I'd never seen either of them wrestle. Suddenly I'm seeing two of the most athletic guys I've seen, and especially with Keith Lee, who is huge. <laughs> the things he's doing, 
<laughs> then of course I see eventually progress, and I, oh, I see him in progress, obviously over here in the UK. But I see his matches, his, his matches in PWG against Dominic Dijakovic, or Dijak as he was just known back then, and bloody hell, <laughs> bloody hell, uh, they were like incredible. What big lads can achieve, and then they've gone to NXT. And the two of them in Dijak and Keith Lee, they've done their PWG matches on a grand stage of NXT, or a grander stage of NXT. Uh, Keith Lee is a name for the future. And I am super invested in him as North American champion. I feel like he and Mia Yim are super supportable babyfaces. They're working in that role. As I said, for me, like, I'm even I'm digging Candice LeRae and, and her antagonistic kind of attitude against Mia Yim. I'm buying that. I'm into it. It's just it's just Johnny Gargano that he's the only one in this kind of four-way act that I'm not buying. And I think it's because of the mega babyface history that he's had. And now he's meant to be this hateable heel and it's like I feels like a way to keep the character relevant. I'm not digging it. But at least I care for Keith Lee, the hero in this character. In this character. This the hero in this story. I am totally with Keith Lee. Predictions though. Kind of like Champa, I'm just predicting the guy who's been in NXT for ages to put over the next generation. So, uh, Champa putting over Cross, Gargano putting over bloody what's his face? <laughs> over Keith Lee, it's had a brain fart because I realised something's missing here. Don't know where it's gone. I've somehow moved Lee and Gargano, the picture, right to the bottom of the stream order. So that's weird. <laughs> Don't ask how I've done that. Anyway, this is the match, arguably, that. I think I'm looking forward to this one the most in terms of in-ring. Probably because this is middle of the NXT pay-per-view where Johnny Gargano in the past has excelled against the likes of Adam Cole against the likes of... I think it was Adam Cole. Well, definitely at least Ricochet. <laughs> like He has excelled in this spot before uh, and for this championship, if I'm right. And I'm not expecting anything different here. Full expectation of the two of them to steal the show just in the middle of the card, just absolutely nail it. And... Just move on to the next thing. Even if not buying Johnny Gargano as a heel, I am buying Keith Lee. Like everything he's selling, <laughs> I am buying. Like to, to that point where at Survivor Series, I was just like, yes, he is your kind of future world champion, Keith Lee. Just don't drop the ball. <laughs> NXT obviously won't drop the ball. They'll keep developing him, uh, just building him up and getting the. You get that kind of fan support as well. So when they go to the main roster, that initial like initial base of support is already there. He's already getting reactions. And yeah, he's one where he could get called up to the main roster, but it's not like Gargano where I'm kind of like, no, you're ready. It's like, he's ready, but I'm perfectly good for him to have a longest tenure. Like Matt Riddle, where, Matt, yes, Matt Riddle, I'm perfectly fine with him getting called up. It's not the end of the world, but also I could have easily seen him stay in NXT. So, yeah. But yes, Keith Lee retains in an amazing match, and Keith Lee gets put over by the kind of last era of NXT, which was, was an amazing peak, but that it was not left. Like, there's a strong, there's a strong just feeling of that that NXT it's time to move on to the next thing, especially when you still got Finn Balor's wrestling a match, Tommaso Ciampa's wrestling, Johnny Gargano, and you've got Charlotte Flair there as well. Adam Cole's been champion for over a year. It's like you're feeling that next era ready to take to take over, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but in NXT past, especially with champions, they've had that feeling. Then it's a, couple, a little while, but they let that feeling be there for a little while before they then pull the trigger. Uh, so what you see. Next up, uh, I'm doing a dance to find the mouse. Finn Balor versus Priest. What's it? It's uh, Damien Priest. That's it. I keep calling him Punishment Martinez, and it's doing me in. <laughs> it's just ruining everything. So who is going to win? As again, I need to let me check that nothing's breaking. Yeah. Anyway. So. With Finn Balor versus Damon Priest, oh, it's uh, I've got nothing really for this one. It feels like another one where either Finn Balor is going to get established uh, a bit more before he is somebody to take on high guy, or he's just like Master Champo, he's just like Charlotte Flair, he's just he's just like Johnny Gargano, and Finn Balor just puts over the guy. I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. Especially as, again, has the experiment of having a top guy come down to the NXT actually worked or not? <laughs> it's an odd one. I'll go. I'll say... I've not really got much for this, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. 
I want to say that Damien Priest gets put over by Top Guy because he's kind of he's not had that moment where he feels on par with the likes of Keith Lee or Dijakovic. He's wrestled with them, but he's not felt like he's up to their level, uh, especially at, like in support of reactions. So maybe him beating Balor could be that, or Finn Balor kind of kind of exemplifies the point that he is not at that point. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> move on to the next thing. Uh, I've, got, I've got nothing for it. Prediction. Uh, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Finn Balor, to, and then to say that punishment. Martinez, sorry, Damien Priest, kind of uh, doesn't quite climb for a little while. He's got hurdles to overcome. This can use this to at least set up long term hurdles for Priest to overcome. Not everybody in NXT becomes like the top main event guy. Like Matt Riddle was main eventing shows, but he was never champion. So yeah, it didn't always need to be. So yeah. Next up, oh, I'm just jumping to it because I'm knackered. <laughs> uh, uh, the finally added match uh, added during uh, NXT this week. Uh, Tegan Knox teaming with Shotzi Blackheart and Mia take on Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez with Shotzi wrestling Raquel Gonzalez this week. And Mia Yim wrestling Candice Array this week, and Dakota Kai and Mia and uh, Shotzi Black. I can't <laughs> Third and out. Uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox re- revitalizing their rivalry as I finally get to the end of it. I am so tired. <laughs> it's currently 1 a.m., and I'm still recovering from late nights, hence why I'm not doing an aftershock. Anyway, yeah, let's get this done. <laughs> so, the six women in this match predictions. This will be the fun kickoff for the show, I reckon. It feels like that's this is why this match has been added. Need a high energy match to kick off the pay per view, and why not put six totally capable wrestlers in that slot? Yeah, makes sense. It feels like the women could take the women, the faces could take the uh, kind of could need it a little bit more than the heels. The heels feel like pretty established characters uh, in their roles. And it would get, I wouldn't be the end of the world if the faces got a win here. I feel like we're still in that era where I would quite like kind of just a nice feeling pay-per-view, a feel-good pay-per-view to kind of just calm me down and just escape into rather than get pissed off at. And that's kind of, that's where I kind of stand in this match. That's where I feel like high-energy match to kick off the show and you'll feel happy with the results and the end. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's kind of my prediction. I kind of want to... I've not really got much to say there. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart nearly murdered herself. <laughs> Gets because of eyes. That bump was scary. Uh, she's perfectly fine, though. Just got up. Yeah, after me just sitting there going like, like oh my God. <laughs> and then she just gets up like, yeah, it's fine. It's like, who who are you? <laughs> are you Sasha Banks in disguise? How can you take that? Um, also, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, as an act together, they've kind of gelled relatively well. Uh, and uh, Tegan Knox, I can never remember, I never remember her name. I just want to call her indie name Nixon Neal because I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I just never remember it. Just it's a string of me calling wrestlers by their indie names. I'm such a nerd. But uh, Tegan Knox with her rivalry with Dakota Kai, obviously it's just been that bubbling thing uh, with the animosity growing and growing. And Mia Yim and her rivalry with Candice LeRae, strongly tied to Johnny Gargano and Keith Lee. It's yeah. If it'll be nice with the baby faces, especially as on the go home show, Candice LeRae won and she beat me a yim, and just suddenly it's like, hmm, yes, then, yeah, <laughs> I, I take it, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that done. I, I'm so shattered, I can't really even think of what to do as the next bit, so I'll, I'll just check the chat the final time just to see. Why is nobody? I don't know when that was sent, so I can't answer that. <laughs> So, yeah. I probably should keep it up in con- so I can actually see a message when it comes up and just see it in the context or try and figure out a two-window solution because I've currently just got my laptop just in front of me. And Again, this isn't a lockdown. This isn't my home either. I'm at my parents' house for the lockdown. We've all locked down together. There's like six people here. It's a packed house, and I finally was able to get a camera thing for my laptop, but it's not the best. <laughs> I want a proper setup, and yeah, this is what I'm kind of working with right now. So it's one screen in front of me, and I'm having to switch back and forth, and I'm not checking things correctly. Anyway, uh, none of you podcast listeners care. <laughs> it's just perfectly fine audio. Perfectly fine audio. That's my uh, tagline, my, my sub, sub line. That's not right. 
I'm too tired to care. <laughs> ah, it's fine. I was up till like five. No, I went to sleep at like six a.m. on Monday. Like for the Keep It Extra podcast. <laughs> Super fun. Most fun I've had on a podcast in ages. So yeah. Anyway. Hopefully, this time next week, I should be joined by a guest to review the show. I'll keep working on it, so to kind of compensate for me not doing an Aftershock, I'll at least have my review be with somebody else. Uh, I'll be back, and the show will go live at midnight next week. I can't promise it will be live, but it will at least be uploaded. Hopefully so, it's live at midnight. It's been quite slow rendering times here on YouTube, especially for the uh, live feeds. It's taken like almost the entirety of my next day before they pop up which is like pretty slow. Also, I'm not going to like jump on it too much because of the uh, obvious situations of what's going on right now with there's multiple just things <laughs> happening. So it kind of makes sense there that YouTube might take a bit of a hit in terms of how quick they're sorting out stuff. So yeah, I'm just not going to be in the world. It'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, but anyway, I'll be back next week with my guests to talk about NXT in your house. Enjoy the show. I'll be live tweeting it on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at the damn implicat. That's damn as in damn. Shouldn't have done that. My voice is so raw. <laughs> my throat hurts. And it can be my columns on the Lo- Lords of Pain slash wrestling headlines. I'll be live. What am I talking about with being live? The columns <laughs> uh, should normally be live on a Sunday. Uh, however, with the world that's been happening... It's kind of not been a guarantee that I'll be publishing anything. I put, I, last column I published I think, was like two weeks ago. And maybe I'll get something up this week. But with everything that's going on, I don't have much time. I'm helping people around me. I've not really got much kind of time to fully write a full-on <laughs> column and post it every Sunday. So it's been every now and then I've been keeping up. But the other writers have been killing it. Especially uh, Shout-outs to Jake Alders, our NXT coverage, to... Clive, who's been absolutely named Tonics, uh, Don Frank, our resident South African writer, who jumps in as well, been pumping out co- uh, content with his, the, the main event column, so it's all that as well. Uh, also, I've been taking part in a, a decade width of choice draft for wrestling, where 12 of us, uh, be it Laws of Pain main pages, Laws of Pain podcasters, Laws of Pain uh, kind of people in the forums, like former writers as well, uh, or just people who are writing in the forums kind of learning because there's the column forums which has become Lords of Pain's NXT where you learn how to kind of do the craft. That's why I joined up back in 2016 to learn how to do it and by 2018 I was called upon to the main page with uh, no series <laughs> and, having, and spending ages finding my feet and then finding my feet by watching, by writing about New Japan which meant that most people didn't read my columns but it was really nice getting feedback. For the New Japan columns. People saying thank you. But there's no New Japan right now. <laughs> so what does me do? Uh, anyway. And we take a part in a draft. Which is. Uh, we get a decade. And we have to pick uh, our own things. But obviously. There's 12 of us. And we take it in turns to pick somebody from the draft. And I'm right at the bottom. I get Which means. Because we do it in a snake order. I get to pick two at once. But. There comes the camera. And then I have to wait like. 22 turns before I get another go so I'm watching everybody fly off the board and I'm just like oh, please don't pick my picks <laughs> uh, anyway so there is that to check out if you care <laughs> totally, that's, that's, that is ongoing um, I've forgotten his Twitter to actually who's actually putting out all the picks uh, it's, it's Tony who uh, he used to write on the main page as well so he's been keeping up with that I'll maybe put a link out I've been retweeting it and stuff so it's on my feed anyway I'm rambling because I needed to wrap up and I need, remember I needed to plug stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat, follow Laws of Pain at Laws of Pain or WrestlingHeadlines.com. Uh, I'll be visit Wrestling Headlines for all your latest wrestling newsy things. Uh, here on the Laws of Pain YouTube channel as well. Uh, we've got the we've got all the, the stuff, I've got a list I could just bloody bring up to instead of trying to remember it. So live after AW Dynamite or even during AW Dynamite, we've got our post show. Uh, the Dynamite After Dark with Jamal and Jeff talking about this show. Uh, they did a live watch along last week and I've it's not rendered so I don't actually know what they've done this week. <laughs> it took them that long to render. By the time I'm live I don't know what they've done. Uh, Fridays is Ms. Fan Mystic with the WWF Legacy Series which is over on the podcast feed over on Red Circle or whatever you get podcast feeds because it is sent out to Apple, to Spotify, to Stitcher. So it's all available there. 
Saturdays is reserved for our AW coverage to the pay-per-views. Sundays for our WWE coverage. Obviously, this time, Imp needs to sleep. <laughs> like, every single week, I've been up super late. I, like, I need a week off before I'm up again next week. Uh, Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honor. And they're currently going back over TNA's early pay-per-views. So it's TNA 2005 pay-per-views right now. And I think the last one they did was Turning Point. So anyway, take that off so I can see what weird gestures I'm making. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be back next week to talk about NXT with my guest. I will... Uh, it'll be an interesting one. See what happens. Uh, also, yeah, keep out, uh, keep a look for the Keeping It Strong Style podcast. Uh, Rolls of Pain writer Sir Sam is getting on the next show as well. Yes, they had me on. I'm giving them a plug. <laughs> giving them a shout out. Uh, and enjoy NXT in your house. What are you looking forward to? What are your expectations for the show? Let me know either in the comments here or comments on the Wrestling Headlines site, over on Twitter, wherever. And my eyes are getting blurry. (laughs) So I'm going to sign out. With that, I bid you adieu if I get it ready. Uh, Bid you adieu. Adios. (laughs) 